0: going to continue in our series on building committed community, but next week we're going to push the pause button in the series to preach on what our church believes in the light of the teaching of our city on generational curses. Two of our members have stepped down over this and we're wanting to bring clarity to what we believe the Bible says on this matter. So please would you prioritize and come in. And joining with us. So we're in Romans chapter 12 and uh, just a few verses in Romans chapter 12 verse 4 to 8. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Last week, uh, should I say three weeks ago, uh, can you remember what Matt spoke about on the gift of the Holy Spirit? Quickly? No? <laughs>
1: alright,
0: so he spoke about, Matt, Matt remembers, so he spoke about wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, discernment of spirits. And two weeks ago, I spoke about, um, alright, we won't let you off the. Hook. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, teaching and serving. So why are we preaching and teaching into these supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible clearly teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1 that we are to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And what is the purpose of that? The purpose is that we have a strong, vibrant, healthy church and, and that's what we all want, right? Right? Amen. That's what we all want. P.J. Smythe gives a somewhat humorous, um, imaginary scenario of what the, the, uh, Corinthians, uh, uh, the Roman, um, Roman 12 gifts might look like at a dinner party. So here comes Fred down, down the step. He's carrying this humongous, um, ice cream cake and he trips and he falls. Cake goes flying and splatters. So how would you respond? The gift of mercy. You poor thing. It could happen to anybody. I remember when I. The gift of serving. No no problem. I'll just get a mop and quickly clean up that mess. Gift of prophecy. Now in the future, you need to be aware of the possibility. The gift of teaching. There are always lessons to be learned from this. The gift of encouragement. This is not a train smash, guys. Don't worry about it. The gift of giving. I'll just nip out and buy some more ice cream. The gift of leading. Listen up, team. This is just a momentary hic- hiccup. It won't interfere with our party and our long-term objectives. At The gift of administration. Jim, you get the mop suit, Please, I'll pick up. Molly, would you help me to uh, cook something else up? Alright, so let's look at the, how do you feature there? Which one? Can you see yourself in, in one of those? The gift Of encouragement, let's look at that. Romans chapter 12 verse 8. If it's encouraging, let him encourage like happened this morning. Those gifts were operative this morning. They were so encouraging. Your father knows about you. He cares for you. Why this gift and what is it all about? Well, Christians with this gift are a wonderful blessing to elders and pastors and all sorts of leaders. Because you know what? Your leaders also get discouraged at times. Believe it or not, they're human and they need encouragement. I've, over the years, heard so many pastors say, you know, some of my people have got the gift of discouragement. You know, they got it wrong. It's the gift of encouragement. The gift of encouragement is invaluable to the body as a whole because it just lifts people's spirits. Uh, It just... Encourages people who are in the depths of despair, who don't know the way forwards. But those people, these gifts of encouragement, don't only run after those people. They also go for people who are whole. And they work hard at bring, bringing out the very best in these people. And so they tend to gravitate towards people who are discouraged. And they best um, discern how they can encourage them in that moment. And they do so through words, through actions through what's-ups, through scripture, praying with others, giving practical advice, giving hope. Is that on our board there? Job was an example of this. Job was an encourager. Now he was in trouble, and his mates were trying to help him say this about him, Job 4.4. 4, Your words have supported those who stumbled; You have strengthened faltering knees. That's what it's all about, right? they very presence sometimes in a crisis is what, what really matters. I've done a lot of pastoral work over the years, and people say, thanks for praying, thanks for this, and thanks for that. But the thing that's come through quite often, and predominantly, is like, thanks for your presence. It was so strengthening, so comforting, so reassuring. So, folks, we don't even have to say a thing or do a thing. Just our presence, we represent Jesus Christ to a lost world. We need this gift to be stirred up, because our world is in such a mess, such turmoil, such sin and it's only getting worse across the globe. Satan is active and alive, and he wants to discourage Christians. Did did you get that right from the word go when you committed your life to Christ? You see, because if he can discourage a Christian, well, then he's he's won a major victory. A, A discouraged Christian is useless and worthless to the kingdom of God. Here was a man called Barnabas. Name means son of encouragement. He... Was true to his name, and he encouraged all he came across. Went to the churches, encouraged those churches, encouraged their leaders. Acts chapter four verse thirty-six. People who have this gift are sometimes unaware that they even have this gift. People tell them, "You've got this gift," and they say, "Really?" Some are unsure or unaware of how powerful this gift is. It's a powerful gift. It's it's like the comrades runner. Uh, who runs that that grueling uh, 90k run from Durban to Peter Marisburg and from Peter Marisburg to Durban. Fortunately, they don't do it in one day. It's one way or the other. It's 90 kilometers. And many of these uh, runners say that if it wasn't for those spectators along the side, they would never have made it. They encouraged them. And this is what the supernatural gift is, is all about. It lifts people but we don't need the thousands along the side of the route. It just takes one person with this supernatural gift to come alongside us. And it has the same effect as thousands of spectators along the route. All of us need to be encouragers, not just for the few. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 talks about all of us encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day of Christ drawing near. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. And so the responsibility to encourage is for the whole body of Christ. Maybe you've come here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you're terribly discouraged, down in the dumps. You don't know what life is all about. Can we introduce you to Jesus? Can we introduce you to the one that can change your life for time and for eternity? We serve a God of all encouragement. And this Jesus is the greatest encouragement of all in the whole universe. And he can make you a new creation right here today. And we invite you to come and speak with us today so that you will walk from this place amazingly encouraged and invigorated and transformed for the rest of your life. I was there one time. I walked like that at one time. And my parents were just blown away by the fact, they weren't Christians, that that I was a changed person. Right, the gift of giving is our next one, Romans 12, 8. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. In Durban North, I led a man to, to Christ whose name is Ray Bola, and uh Ray just took off like like a rocket. It wasn't long before he, he came to me and said, well, What's this thing about timing? And and I shared it with him. And he said, Right, I'm 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 in. He said, "Whoa, but it's you know it's a lot of money, eight thousand a month. He said, When I was earning ten, it was only one thousand. Now it's like eight thousand and he, he committed himself to it. Man, here was a brand new Christian. Brand new Christian. And a couple of years later, he was in our mother church, and a couple of years later we went and church planted, and we had an opportunity to buy land and Here was Ray putting up his hand saying, "Can, can we help? I know you're only twenty eight people, and, and we, I want to help." And he made an invaluable contribution to buying land. A couple of years later, when we scraped enough money together, we, we decided we were going to build in stages as the money came, owner a build. and Ray was there again. And uh, he said, can I help? I said, sure thing. Uh, and there he was giving this amazingly generous gift. He had the gift of giving. He had the gift of giving, of generous giving. And we have many like that in our church. And we praise God for for them, for their faithfulness and for their generosity. The, the Common Ground Manual on the gifts has this to say about this gift. Those who have this gift, tend to give liberally and joyfully to the kingdom projects requiring support as well as to people in financial needs. With God's enablement, they excel in contributing money. I I like those words, liberally, joyfully, and excel. You might be thinking, well, this is only for the uh, super-rich. I mean, after all, they've got stacks of money, haven't they? No, God doesn't confine himself just to this category, but across the board, I've seen how God has blessed people to be able to give, even the poorest of the poor. I've seen giving sacrificially. They've blown my socks off. And God has always provided for them over and over again. I've seen how God has provided for them to give again. Give and it shall be given to you. Not not to become rich, but to give again and again and again. Some Christians with a supernatural gift have limited their lifestyle change their lifestyle, change the, the degree to which they, they live. Others might live lavishly, but we're not. We can, but we won't. And sometimes they live a very spartan life. I know quite a few people have lived very, very spartan lives. Um, they often uh, are happy and prepared to go without, but they are not happy that others do without. So because some have this gift in the body of Christ, doesn't mean to say that the rest of us are not to be generous in contributing to the needs of the church and to people in the church. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 2 to 4, Paul explains that everyone in the Macedonian church demonstrated this great generosity. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and the extreme poverty welled up a rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond. Their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. I've never come across a church like this before. I wish I did. Oh, Pastor, we need we need to we need to urgently give give money. The closest came to that was when people were giving their wedding rings to a project. And we had to give the wedding rings back and say, sorry, that, 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 that's a bit extreme. Three, the gift of leadership. Romans chapter 12 and verse 8. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. The strong gift of good leadership is crucial for the church to forge ahead. Throughout history, God has raised up leaders to be catalysts for change, to spearhead the kingdom of God. And Bill Hybels rightly says the local church is the hope of the world. Do you believe that? Many churches don't believe that. They don't believe that they're the hope of the world, and 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 they die, and they stagnate, and they start fighting and bickering amongst each other. The local church is the hope of the world, and its future rests primarily in the hands of its leaders. I'm absolutely convinced that the church will never reach her full potential, full redemptive potential, until men and women with leadership gifts step up and lead from the top down. From the top down. God has instituted elders to lead the church and it's a huge responsibility. And so they're called to cast a compelling vision, a God-given compelling vision that the church buys into. And so there's a reciprocity here that the vision is cast and the people grab it. And when those two come together powerfully, Boy, there's no stopping the church or where it will go. So I was at this church, the mother church in Durban North, for 12 and a half years, and this. we had planted a church in Kloof, and they said, okay, it's time for you to plant and, and go independent. Take the, take the guys, approach the congregation, see who will come, and then you're on your own. So I approached the congregation and told them, we want people that will work, will, will roll up the sleeves, and I was quite severe, and I thought, like, Why am I saying it like that? You know, nobody's going to come. Made it as hard as possible. Eighteen brave souls put up their hand for pioneering, for evangelizing, and for sacrificial living. And boy, did we have the time of our lives. We had the time of our lives. We were stretched. We were buffeted. But we had the time of our lives. What is leadership? Common Ground um, has this to say about leadership. Those with this gift are motivated to influence others to achieve a vision, motivating and directing people to harmoniously accomplish the purposes of God. And the the key word here is influence. Influence. Can I motivate you as SBC to buy into SBC's vision? SBC has a vision to reach the city, to impact the city and beyond, to through loving up, through loving in, and through loving out. And we need everyone to be involved in that vision, to be as excited as those 18 were in Durbanau about planting a, a church. And you know those 18 were able to look back and say, we had a major part to play in planting that church and in influencing hundreds of people's lives. We at SBC can look back in five and ten years' time, and if we buy into that vision, we too will be able to say, we had a major part to play in influencing hundreds and hundreds of lives, and maybe even in bringing in some form of revival in in the city. Doesn't that excite you? Maybe it's daunting. What, me? I've got a part to play? Yes. Yes. You know, if, if, if each one of us reached out to three non Christians and we prayed for, over them and we invited them into our lives and shared our lives with them, and if only one of them came to Christ, there would be another 450 to 500 people in this city that has come into the kingdom of God. And some of them might even come into this church. It's possible. But we, we've got to buy into it. We've got, to, we've got to be saying, God, use me. Use me. I'm not an evangelist, but, but use me. I want to buy into this. There are many levels of leadership in the church. There are many different ministries, and we need spiritual leaders who are sold out for Jesus Christ. Are you one of those? We want those people to lead. Every person has a unique personality a unique influence, a new unique capacity to lead. You remember Moses chose people over over others, over tens and fifties and hundreds and, and thousands? They, did, they had different capacities, right? And we all have different capacities of leading. But no matter what your capacity is as a leader, as a prison leader, determine that you're going to be the very best leader who is constantly filled with the Spirit. It's con- constantly energizing themselves. You're self-starters in God. And, and if God has stirred you, you you've just come and, and you, you feel stirred to, to leadership. Ask God to open doors for you to get involved and to start leading. P.J. Smile says you can grow more as a leader. Never become stagnant. P.J. Smile says that we can ask for more of a servant's heart. More wisdom, more capacity, more people skills, more zeal, more influence. Are we Are we asking for that as leaders in our church? Are we asking for that as elders, as deacons, more group leaders? No matter what you lead, the gift of mercies. Romans twelve verse eight. Are you still there? Some people aren't breathing here. People with this gift gravitate towards others who are hurting, who are abandoned, who are are abused, who are avoided. Uh, This gift makes for excellent pastoral workers, right? And we're needing those people. My vision is that we have three or more pastoral helpers in each congregation because you know the congregation. And we've recently had people put up their hands for helping us, and we're really grateful for that. And um, so we're trusting God for that. So this gift makes for people who are drawn to people in distress, the poor, the sick, the dying, the bereft, the elderly, the lonely. The Good Samaritan is an amazing example of what this gift is all about. People who donate food to SBC's pantry have this gift of compassion as do those who faithfully give to restore trust and breath of life. Mark and Tracy Povey have this extraordinary gift because they have a, they have compassion on those who are hurting in the area of drugs. And they've spent a small fortune in buying land and making it ready for the first batch that's coming in shortly. And they're going to affect thousands of lives. And how many of those won't be saved and equipped for Jesus Christ. Michelle and Andrew have this heightened gift as they serve God and um, are used of God. Those who give faithfully to restore trust, breath of life. I sense that God is going to be raising up more leaders like that. He's going to put this burden on your heart of compassion for, for some area in the city Maybe that has been put on your heart already. Come and speak to us in leadership. That's what Tracy did. That's what Tracy did. We were praying for that. And then Tracy came and said, we're praying for that. That's what we're praying for. That's how we're going to reach our city. That's how we're going to be a healthy congregation because we're not gathering just for ourselves. Jesus showed great compassion throughout his ministry, didn't he? He demonstrated the heart of God, who is a merciful God. And so he expects all of us to demonstrate mercy to some degree or other. The gift of administration. Wow, we're going quickly, eh? Huh? Can't believe that. This is record time. I can do a few more then. The gift of administration, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. This involves leadership skills and ability to devise and execute effective plans to accomplish certain goals. That's Bruce Willis's cousin. Characteristics of this gift of administration, they have the ability to grasp the overall picture required of them. Secondly, they are motivated to organize projects. They love a challenge. Uh, third, they easily resource people to do a job. Are you, are you hearing God saying, well, that's you? Four, they enjoy delegating tasks and supervising people—that's me. Five, they get in fulfilment in other others enjoying a task. Six, they have a desire for new challenges. We need people like this. I know churches that uh, where people uh, where retired people have volunteered and said, "You know, I've got all the time in the world. I've got this gift. I've got this gift." And some have the gift of administration. It takes a huge. Weight off the shoulders of, 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 of the elders, especially the lead elder. If you've got that gift, say, I'm available. And so we're going to call that quits. But as you see, there are those that have heightened gifts in all these areas. But in all these areas, God calls us also to participate. So nobody is led off the hook here. We're all to be involved to form a healthy church. We talked about that in the beginning. Do we want that strong, healthy, vibrant church? We need to be using our spiritual gifts. We need to be blessing the body of Christ. And we need to be an outward-looking group of believers. God will strengthen us as we do that. I'm just so excited as to what potentially can happen in this body of Christ. Really, I trust that you're excited as I am about that. We're going to pray and then we're going to go into a time of communion. Our God, our Father, how we bless you for all your goodness to us. We love you for pulling us into your kingdom, for drawing us, for wooing us. We wouldn't have done it on our own. We couldn't have repented on our own. And if there is one here today who has come in discouraged and disillusioned with life, we pray that he would find the God of all encouragement who's here today. And Jesus, we know that... He His life, her life can be changed and uh, live completely differently for the rest of their lives. We pray that you would encourage any who are discouraged this morning. Thank you for those gifts of encouragement that came through. And uh, we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father. Thank you that you care for us so much. We love you and we exalt you. We thank you, Lord, that you're in our midst. And we thank you that you have a purpose for us, for the city. Not to just keep going, but to make an impact. Help us to be strong and vibrant that we might have that impact upon our city. So, Lord, we commit these elements to you as we partake of them. We pray that we would just be very conscious that we're your children. We're your ambassadors. We are the people that you've called us and you've given to us different gifts to enhance the body of Christ, to enrich the body of Christ, to be a blessing to each other, to be a blessing to the um, leaders of this church. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. So please come up and um, take the element. All right, they're serving. Right, so. We are participating in this meal, which looks back 2,000 years to the cross of Calvary, where Jesus gave his body for us, battered and bruised, broken, bleeding. And his blood flowed on that cross. And this is a symbol of what he did 2,000 years ago, and it's applicable to us today. And for us as born-again believers, every day. And we constantly need to be reminded of the great work of grace, of Christ, in our lives. And this is a, a wonderful reminder. It's a sermon to us. It's a ministry into our hearts. And it's a time when we're strengthened. Something happens as we do this because we do it in obedience to God. It's a command. That's why we can't be lone rangers. That's why we can't do it you know away from the fellowship of the saints so as we do this let's remind ourselves of that great sacrifice and of the sacrifice that we need to make to him nothing is too much for what he has done for us in our lives so would you come and take and maybe share it in your family groups and pray pray for each other in families or amongst your friends
1: When you're ready, you can eat and drink together. Father, this morning we are just in awe of the goodness of Jesus, this great gift of mercy. Lord, as we taste this cup and we eat this bread, we taste life in Christ. And so, Lord, we are rich, we are full this morning as believers in Christ with all of your goodness. And, Lord, as we think about your body shed, your blood shed for us, we think about the joy of serving your body here at SBC and being the hands and feet of Jesus in East London. And so as we eat and drink this morning as a church, we pray, Lord, would you strengthen us in our desire and love, Lord, not only for the body, that was, is, is our blessing and privilege to be a part of it, Lord, for the city too. God, that we might bring the joy of Jesus the freedom of forgiveness of sin, and the eternal life through our lives, Lord, we pray. We love you so much, and we bless you for this. Amen. Lord, bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.